You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's guest is Michelle Lesour, who is a senior leader in the pharmaceutical industry. And I've had the pleasure of working with Michelle as a colleague over the years, and she comes to us with a wealth of management experience. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Rob. It's great to be here. All right, let's just jump right into this. So share with us a little bit about your leadership journey and how it shaped you as a leader. So as you said, I've had the great privilege of being a leader, uh, manager more specifically, over many years, probably at least 15 to 20 years. And it's definitely been amazing. It's something that I've been really passionate about, um, full of adventures, full of challenges. I've had opportunities to lead different functions, work in different geographies. And I think all the way, really just learning and challenging myself to be better than I was yesterday. It's been a wonderful opportunity for me. In that journey, you mentioned leadership journey. Uh-huh. It, it definitely has been a journey and and a lot of that started for me very early on when I was when I had my first line management experience. Um, I think those early opportunities and early experiences really shape who you are and who you become and and how you evolve and grow as a leader. Yeah, it's very true. That experience does shape you for many years to come. I uh, I remember my my very first management experience is I worked for a, real, a very large company and it had some incredible resources right all the all the books and the coaching and the mm-hmm. assessment centers everything that you would want if you were onboarding as a new leader and it was absolutely taking it all in and the interesting part about that experience is that in my day-to-day so I had a, a team of three that I was leading mm-hmm. my biggest challenge was that my manager was almost the exact opposite of what I was learning about in the <laughs> development center. So it was, it was a really interesting time for me because you have your manager that you want to, you know, perform well for and, and be, you know, an example for them and, and do really well, especially when you're a first time leader. But it was really difficult for me to incorporate what I was learning into my role. It just wasn't the norm, it wasn't the culture. Right. So this is something that Unfortunately, I, I come across a lot. So this is an, an example of where, on the one hand, fortunately for you, you were provided with a lot of resources from the organization uh, to help onboard you as a manager. But on the other hand, you were reporting into somebody that didn't demonstrate some of those leadership right. behaviors that we would want, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's interesting is, you know, when anybody takes over a team, when they become a manager for, for the first time, they're very impressionable. So who they report into uh, makes a huge difference and really helps to shape and mold them for many years to come. So curious, how did you manage to, because as you said, you you know, you want to impress your, your manager, the person you're reporting into, how did you manage to um, stay a different course? Yeah, it was, it was very stressful. Um, you know, thinking back now onto that, those moments, I, I, just felt very, very stressed to act one way and then to behave another in front of her and with my team. And it, it you know, it's like you're trying to this duality of personalities showing up. Um, and I felt really strongly about what I was learning in the program and, and really wanted to take it to heart. I mean, all, 
all the books I was reading. We were doing Myers-Briggs assessments and learning about team building and creating a vision and how do you do that. And I really wanted to do that with my team, but I knew that it would start and stop with me, right? And it, it wouldn't be something that my manager would do or ask. She wouldn't ask me about it. Um, so an important facet to that was a mentor that I was assigned to through the mm. program. Sometimes having formal mentors works and sometimes it, it doesn't work out. And sure. in this particular case, having one assigned to me was incredibly fortunate because I had that vehicle to say, hey, you know, I'm in this challenging situation. I don't know how to navigate it. I, I want to create my own team and I want to start to stretch my leadership skills, but I, I, I don't have the support around me. So using my mentor really helped me validate what I was learning and, and to think about how to become confident in myself also and how I could do this and how much responsibility you have as a leader and accountability to your team, right? And that you can shape and change and you can help others and you can't control everything, but there are things that you can influence positively. So the mentor is really important. Yeah. So would you say having that mentor was the, the key that helped you manage through that scenario? Absolutely. I mean, I think without my mentor, I, I don't know that I would have sustained <laughs> what mm-hmm. I was enduring really. It was was very trying. You know, I, I remember at that time, that was my first line management experience and, and I was in a marketing function mm-hmm. and I really wanted to be a first line sales manager. So I knew just how important managing a team virtually was going to be. And I, I wanted to make the most of this current situation so that I could have an opportunity to be a first line sales manager and, and really make the most of it. So I used it, you know, really to, to try out different ways of communication, different ways of coaching. And it was very formative. And even though I was in this negative managerial situation, I, mm-hmm. I certainly learned a lot from it. So it took a lot of notes about yeah. things that I would not do if I was a manager. So it was helpful in that way. I had to make the best of the situation. Right. I mean, let's let's be honest. You can learn just as much from a bad leader as you can from a good leader based on mm-hmm. what not to do. No, and for sure I did. Yeah. The difference is you were fortunate enough to, A, have a, a program that you were going through, uh, as well as the program provided yeah. you with a mentor as well. And when I was looking for my next role, I really wanted to think carefully who my manager was going to be, and it was a big part of my next decision. Ah, so got it. It was full of learnings at that point in time for me. So what would you, what advice would you give to new managers out there who don't have a mentor? So that's a great question. You know, a lot of people ask me about mentors, about mm-hmm. coaches, about sponsors, and do I have them and how do I use them? I have found personally for me, I, I've used and have still active mentors, coaches, and mm-hmm. sponsors, and probably have probably for the last 10 years, I would say, uh, of my career, I've learned that those are incredibly effective resources and they help you and they work in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, They can help you through challenging situations. They can help you through ongoing career management. They can help you just in in one-off issues. I I find that having that, those individuals, they're there to help you. Mm -hmm. People who want to help you 
Um, hopefully they learn through the, the exchange right and through the relationship as well. But I would absolutely advocate for individuals to have coaches or mentors very specifically and sponsors even. Yeah, I agree. My first mentor when I became a manager was, I guess, about 16, 18 years ago. And I still talk to him to this day. You know, he had a, made a huge impact yeah. on, on my life because, as you mentioned before, you know, when you first take over a team, it can be very stressful. It's always great to have somebody else to turn to as well. Yeah, yeah one recommendation for our listeners out there that if, if you don't have a mentor and, and one wasn't assigned to you, there's nothing wrong with going out, seeking out uh, a mentor. Somebody who you know is highly respected and regarded as a leader, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Because if they're the right type of person, trust me, they will be more than willing to mentor you. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that that's so true, right? Because it doesn't have to be um, in a formal program. A lot of, you know, many of my peers I know have been assigned mentors. And again, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. It is what you put into it. I think if you're the one being the mentee or the coachee, I think you have to shape what you want out of that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if a formal program doesn't exist, absolutely don't hesitate to reach out to people through your network, maybe through your manager, maybe through an industry association. I mean, there's lots of people who are more than willing to to support you in that capacity. You know, and nothing may come of it, but at least you might have gained another contact in the industry, right? Or you might just have found another another friend or colleague in the industry. So it's a really important part of career building, though. Um, and just, like I said, really even through day-to-day basis. And I, there are a lot of online coaching programs as well. And I, I can tell you that I've been a part of those as virtual mentors. So I have rather a mentor, not a coach, that I've been connecting with probably for the last three years virtually. We've never met. Mm-hmm. We talk on the phone probably every six to eight weeks, and it's been an incredible relationship. So it's just someone who's a really active listener, really guides me in, in, in my career or the challenges that I'm having, and just a solid sounding board for me. So it's, I would, there's lots of ways to seek mentors and coaches. If you're willing to do it, and if you have a goal for what that relationship should look like, then go for it. Yeah, you know, I and I just want to highlight, and, and it's one of the reasons why I was excited to get you on the show, even in what you just said, said there, with all your success and years of management experience, to display great humility even now by still seeking out uh, a coach to learn, right? Because we know that yeah. managing is a yeah. lifelong journey of learning and never ends. So kudos to you. And question for you, going through that... Mm-hmm. That formal program, because I'm always curious as, mm-hmm. as I have programs that I deliver and to clients, I think you mentioned article and books that were incorporated. Was there any one article that stood out that you felt kind of helped you as you first became a manager that you can share with the audience? When I first became a manager, truly it was the first 90 days. It's a book by Michael Watkins, published by the Harvard Business Review. There's many editions today of it, and there's, a, I think, even an app to go along with it, of course, today. But I still have the original book. I still have the notes that I took when I was a first-time manager, and I use it every time I transition into a new role. What I've learned from that book and the process that's laid out in there and the, the questions that he asks in there are incredibly important to defining who you are as a leader 
Um, but in that transition point, right, your first 90 days in, in a new role is about who your team is and how you're going to build trust with them and how do you how do you help that team, that function, the business grow and, and be better. To me, a lot of it is captured in that very small and very easy-to-use book. So I had shared with you before that um, – it was act- when I was ready to move on from that marketing role, I was actively seeking a sales manager role and a really great leader as an example. And I, you know, I had been exposed to that first 90 days book in my formal program, but this particular manager that I ended up working for really brought it to life. He used that and the tools actively to build trust. And so I did learn a lot from him about really making it live, right? Not just in the classroom or not just as your first job really became, it's, it's a real, I have a very methodical approach to implementing the tools that are in there. And I use it all the time. I adopt it, right? Depending on the situation, but um, I, I learned that from him. And I learned that it's something that you keep alive. And in the first 90 days, it's incredibly critical to establish trust and to define what the challenges and the opportunities are. But it's also there's tools and there's approaches in there that you should revisit every six to nine months in your role, if not more. But I found six to nine months works about right. Just don't forget about what you put in place and where where are you trying to take this team, for example? Yeah, so if you can elaborate on that just a little bit, what is one technique that, because you said you have a methodical approach, is there something, one thing you can share with the audience mm-hmm. that they may find helpful? So in any transition, and some of this you think about your first 90 days, and sometimes you might prepare a 90-day plan when you interview, right? But really, when you have the job and when you're about to transition, I spend a lot of time thinking about the team and who is the team and what's the business or what's the unit that I'm leading and where do we need to go? What have I heard, right? Maybe from my interviews or colleagues that I know. Um, And so my approach becomes like, okay, who is that? And then what do we need to do? And I start thinking about, should I set up a, let me start with my direct reports first. Should I set up a TC with them, a teleconference, and have a quick exchange? And if I do that, what questions should I ask them in that short exchange, say it's for an hour? And then if I'm going to have the opportunity to see them live, what, how much time will I spend with them? Typically, it's about six hours, maybe for that first live face-to-face with my direct reports. So six hours. What do we do in those six hours? Yeah. What do I share with them? What questions do I have for them? And so, and that starts to build the relationship of, you know, my, the core team, right? It's, and it's really not my first team, my direct first, direct reports first team. So who's reporting to me? We're the core of this nucleus. Who are they? Where are they? Where do we need to go? And then I emulate the same process with my indirect reports. And to a lesser degree, I won't spend six hours with all my indirect reports, but I might do the same in a very distinct fashion for an hour at a time, say, and then I'll extend that to my stakeholders. So over a period of time, you get consolidated feedback on, you know, what's been working really well, what could be better, and it helps you as a leader assess that and put a plan together, like, okay, this is what I heard, this is where I think we need to go, and what do you think? And then share that back, validate it with your, you know, with everyone that's involved internally, Um, and then repeating that 
months later, is that, okay, now we're on this continuum. Where are we? How have we progressed, right? So that, that's a, to give you a sample of it. I mean, I tailor it every time to the team and, and where we are, but the core of it, the, the, the practice of phone call, day, face-to-face, working through direct, indirect, and stakeholders is, is kind of, I guess, the formula that I've been using over time to help me understand and to build trust and to get to know the business and the team as quickly as I can. Okay, so just to confirm, the six hours is kind of all of that wrapped in. You're trying to, un- you know, you're walking through the business, having them explain that to you, as well as yeah. trying to get a better understanding of, of them individually as well. Is that correct? We'll sit down and do a little bit about, you know, personal stuff, whatever they want to share. I might share bits about my family or education or interests, right? And then we might talk a little bit about motivators. And then we talk about, career, you know, what career experiences have they had, where do they aspire to be, and then we'll transition perhaps into their team or the business. So it's over the course of a day, really trying to pull all the pieces together. It helps with the connectivity, but it definitely helps the trust building. I hope you include lunch or breakfast as part of that that day. (laughs) No, it's just work, work, work. all work. So, Michelle, what's another concept or tool that you utilize that that you found very helpful for you? One of the other really um, enduring tools or approaches that I took away from my first sales manager position was to put down what are my leadership and coaching principles, taking, you know, some moments of reflection and thinking through what does it mean to be a leader and, and what do I believe in? So, for example... Um, I have this little piece of paper that I keep with me, and I've kept it with me ever since I was a first-line sales manager. Was One of my leadership responsibilities and principles is to be inspiring and motivating. And so I'll share that with my team amongst five other leadership principles. And it, it gives a little bit of flavor of who I am, what I believe in, because I really strongly believe as a leader, you should be inspiring. You should be inspiring. You should be motivating to your team, to your direct reports, indirect reports, to your function. It's, it's core to what I want to accomplish. So writing that down in every job, it's, it's one of the things I revisit every year, um, and it's a reflection on my leadership. And then sharing it with my team every time that I can, when it, when it makes sense. It's not a every day, every meeting, probably once a quarter when we have a, a group gathering, I might share, hey, this is this is what I believe in. This is what I strive to be as a leader. And then twice a year, I'll send out a survey monkey around these behaviors and say, hey, you know, I've been, you've been reporting to me for X amount of time. Am I emulating these behaviors? Do I inspire you? Do I motivate you? And if so, how? Or, or tell me why I'm not. Um, so I, I've been using this practice, like I said, for a long time, but it's something that I keep alive every year and I find a really an active way for me to reconnect with who I am as a leader, but also a, a tool that I can use to get feedback quite quickly on. You know, the one thing I want to highlight what you just said is that the importance of the survey that you do, right? Because as a leader, you can sit there and you can just communicate this and they're, they're words, but they're nothing without the actions behind it. And what mm-hmm. you do is you take it a step further by getting feedback from your team, which sends a powerful message in itself that not only am I trying to exhibit these behaviors, but I want to get feedback from you. So I think that's, that's, right. that's an incredibly important thing to highlight. Yeah, no, it's great. It's, it's been a core 
practice of mine. So thank you. Great. All right. So just shifting gears here, just thinking back on your career, what's an important lesson you learned along your leadership journey that you can share with others? Great question, Rob. Um, for me, and, and perhaps it's the bigger teams you lead or the, the more complex the organizations that I work in become, it's been incredibly important to reflect and to include reflection and thinking time in my day. And it's a really, for me, it's a very hard thing to do is to block out the calendar, put holes, and really use that to to process information, to organize my thoughts, to think through. And what I typically do is really just spend the first, you know, whatever, say half hours, pen to paper. And it's really just journaling. It's writing out thoughts. It could be something I'm trying to work out from a personnel perspective or from a business challenge. I found that time to reflect, to process is incredibly important. Yeah, I I agree. I think it's an underutilized technique that managers should try to incorporate more into into their day-to-day activities. The challenge I always hear from managers is that, well, you know, my, my calendar is just booked consistently, constantly, and sometimes I'm double booked. But it sounds like you do something proactively to help with that. I think you mentioned you block out time in your calendar. Is that correct? On an every two-week basis, I really try to block out a few hours. When I like, I'm like, a morning person, so I prefer the morning. It, it helps. I have a clearer mind, and I can really um, be more reflective in the morning. So I try to do that every other Friday. And then maybe once a quarter, I'll spend, I'll say about three quarters of a day, more analytical time, more digging into data and reports and just trying to look at performance trends and gaps and opportunities. So um, so I've incorporated in, in those two ways. And, you know, that, that quiet time and that thinking time helps me really solidify trends, performance, data, or, or personnel um, behaviors, right? It's just, I have to give myself the space to think through what's happening. I've definitely had, you know, some difficult situations. And I remember when I, you know, if I couldn't come up with a decision or couldn't think about it, giving myself that opportunity to say, I need to step out of this right now, or I need to come back to you in another day. And sometimes it's okay to do that because I need to process or I need to really think more holistically about what's happening. Sometimes things can get very heated and very chaotic and you need to remove yourself from it. So the more I incorporate a thinking time into my calendar, the more um, I have a, a less reactive to things. I can be more proactive and get myself into a, a calmer, more neutral place to make decisions. So I find having that as a a ritual, if you will, in your calendar allows me to be more reflective in the long run. It's it's really important. Helps me be less in the chaos, right, and more um, on on the periphery, looking in and and being proactive around issues. Yeah, I think it's a great technique. You know, blocking out time on your calendar proactively just to make sure you have time to to reflect is. Is important because, as you know, we get so busy and and you're just going from one meeting to the next and might be missing something. Or, as you said, your decisions, you might make a different decision because you have the ability to reflect on it. You know, I I think back to, 
when I've been enrolled or there's been organizational changes happening, right? And when you have structural changes, organizational changes, leadership changes, you don't always know exactly what's happening or when things are going to happen and it tends to cause a lot of chaos. Um, and it's easy to get wrapped up in that chaos. And then those are the most important times to step back and to say, okay, like I, I, I'm not helping anybody by getting wrapped up in the chaos. I'm not helping myself. I'm not helping my team. And you really have to pull yourself out of it and think about what, what can I do here, right? And that's perhaps an example of where it's worked particularly well for me is to be able to step out and to say, all right, let's redirect this and figure out how, how can I influence this positively? How can I make the most of this? again, for myself and for the business and for the team. Well, I think that's a great point, particularly in times of uncertainty. Your team mm-hmm. looks to you as a leader, and they're going to, in many scenarios, they're going to mirror your behavior as well. So taking the right. time to, to okay. think through things is also helping your team to make sure that how you're moving forward, the behaviors you demonstrate is going to impact them as well. So I think that's a great point that you just made. All right, winding down here. So I just want to ask you one more question here. Since we were talking a lot about when you first took over a team, what do you wish you knew or learned before you took over your first team? I think I wish that I understood how much of a responsibility it is to be a leader in a good way, really understanding how you have an opportunity to shape culture, to influence people um, positively, right? So I wish that I had understood how much of an impact you can have. And I certainly wish that earlier on I leveraged that, right? And I don't think I came to appreciate that until recent years is that you are in a leadership role. People do look up to you. You can navigate through chaos, unknown uncertainties. Um, you, you're accountable to that, but but you can choose to step into that or, or not. Um, and I think if I understood how much an individual leader can affect that, that would be something I would have perhaps just made more of earlier in my career. I could not agree more. Something that I focus a lot on when I'm doing workshops with with new managers the the impact mm-hmm. that they have on people's lives that report yeah. into them mm-hmm. can be profound. The ability to impact them for years to come without you as a leader not even realizing something you say something you do that really helps them uh, and put them on perhaps a, a different trajectory altogether. And you're right. I I myself did not come to appreciate that till many years later in my management career as well. Well, Michelle, we're out of time. So on behalf of our listeners, I want to thank you for coming in and sharing your leadership story and some of your best practices. I have no doubt that our listeners are going to walk away with learning some great value from it. Rob, thanks for having me on today. It's been really wonderful to have this conversation with you. And we started off the, the podcast by talking about how being a leader is a journey, right? And it, and it really doesn't start or stop with a job or a title, but that it's an ongoing process, right? And it's one that requires a lot of agility, communication, vision. But at the core of it, right, you have to be passionate about people and business and making an impact. And I think that the passion for leadership has to be within you 
help you be very successful in your role. So thank you, Rob, for letting me share some of my leadership learnings and, and principles with your guests today. I think that's a perfect way to close out. Thanks again, Michelle. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, then click the subscribe button, leave a review, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.